We are going to talk about break free is actually the theme of our series at the moment. And um, I want to be honest with you, in the last few months, I have really began to stir up my hunger for God more and more. We've just come out of a three-week series called Hunger, uh, which was an awesome series that really what it spoke about is the fact that we have all been given a God-given spiritual hunger for God. And this divine spiritual hunger can only be satisfied not by things of the world, not by physical food or the things around us, but a spiritual hunger can only be satisfied with spiritual food when we have a fresh encounter with God through His Word and other things. And I've got to be honest, like I was last week, a part of the motivation of having a series called Hunger was because I recognized in my life an increasing building indifference towards God, a lack of hunger, a bit of apathy, a bit of a, oh yeah, I just do the God thing. And I, and, and I was kind of like shocked into it, like going, my goodness. I'm, and so really part of the series was really for me. Um, and so actually I've loved the series because it's been an opportunity for me to cultivate intentionally a hunger for God, because our default is to hunger after anything but God, really. So um, so what I want to invite you on is, um, I'm, I'm actually on the eighth day of a fast at the moment, so I'm going just on liquids at the moment, and I'm not, I'm not asking, if you're new here, don't worry, no, but for, for those that call Ocean's Home, it's just an invitation. Through this series, I'm really believing for breakthrough for your life. I'm really believing for God to move in a powerful way. And so I want to invite you as well, if you wanted to, whether it's missing a meal throughout the week or a meal every day or whatever it might be, for the next two weeks in the lead up to the rest of this series, I want to invite you to come um, and, and pray with us. Um, we actually have Hour of Power every Tuesday morning. Um, and Hour of Power is powerful. It really is an Hour of Power where every Tuesday morning in the school term, except for school holidays, we get together at 8 Cleaver Street. And we get together from 6 to 7 a.m. in the morning. That's right. I said a.m., not p.m. Um, and we get up early, and it is a powerful time of prayer. Where we're, we're praying. We're, we're praying for you. We're praying for this church. And so we invite you to join us there. But if you can't make it at the physical location, we actually have it available online. And we live stream it to our closed group, which is called Our Power. So all of you can search that group online, and you can jump on and be part of what God is doing there, which would be really powerful. So break free. Well, I'll start with uh, talking about my son, Winter, as every pastor with, with kids do. You start off with a story about your kids. Well, I was uh, one thing that happens often at a house, I'll be sitting on the couch and I've moved. As I moved to go, Winter, my six-year-old son, would, would anticipate the move. And he'd run up to me and dive onto my back and just hold onto my neck and... I'd be like literally strangled, strangled, you know, it's like if you play with kids or young cousins and you're like, you're strangled and I get up and he's, he's dangling off the, off the edge there and I walk along pretending that I can't see him, you know, and, and I don't know how long, I don't, I don't know if he actually knows that I'm there, I think he does, but it's this sort of agreement that we have and I'm like, Winter, where's, where's Winter, where's Winter, where's he going? And... and, and and I, I don't know whether he actually thinks that I really believe that he's not there because I hear this quiet chuckle behind me. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, so I go somewhere and I sit down on him and I go, oh, Winter, you're there. And he goes, ah. And it's this little thing that we have. Um, <laughs> but can I tell you, you want to break free from the winters in your life. <laughs> you know, we've all got winters in our life. And they're good, they're good. But I'm talking about the bad winters. Um, you know, in life, sometimes we have these things, right, that we know are there, 
but we pretend aren't there. And we pretend like they don't impact us. We're, we're literally, you're trying to clench your neck like this. And you're trying to walk naturally like this, um, but you can't. And there's things in our life often that have a stronghold, like a vice grip, like my son, that won't let go. Um, and it affects the way that you live. And these things can be called strongholds. Things in your life that have a stronghold on you that affect your freedom and your liberty and your nimbleness when it comes to your life. Um, you're going to go to heaven, but you find that there's certain areas of your life where you can have strongholds around your emotional areas, maybe strongholds with your relationships, addictions, maybe with your anger, out-of-control anger, with your spending, with your lust, with your eating, um, with what goes on in your mind, with your mental health, with, with your depression. There's all kinds of things in our life that can have a stronghold on us, and we kind of get used to it. We pretend it's not there, but it impacts the way that we live. And maybe you get used to it. But I want to say the, the good news tonight is that Jesus wants to bring you freedom. He wants to bring you freedom from your winters. And so Luke chapter 4 verse 18, it says this. This is Jesus speaking about himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, this is Jesus, to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. You know, if you're captive to something right now. Jesus wants to bring you freedom and have you released by it, released from it. He said that he's anointed that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. I know that many of you have been oppressed by certain things in your life. Acts chapter 10 verse 38, it talks about Jesus and it says, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then finally, 1 John 3 verse 8, it says, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, this is what Jesus wants to do tonight in your life. This is his agenda. He wants to destroy the works of the devil. Maybe some of you haven't been to church before. It's your first time hearing about this God stuff or whatever. Let me tell you, you can see evidence of the devil in the world around us. I'm sure that to a certain degree or another, you've experienced the impact of something beyond what is human in your life. I know, I know that some of you have pretty traumatic spiritual experiences where you definitely have tapped into the demonic realm. We see all kinds of movies. We see real life series and and things like this on the supernatural. There is a supernatural world out there. God is good and he loves you, but make no mistake, there is an evil force and an evil person called the devil and his angels, his demons, who want to take you down to Chinatown. And this is what they want to do. It's the same, I'll make you to say. But you know what? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. God's got a plan for your life. Do you know the devil has a plan for your life? It says the devil, Satan came to seek to kill and destroy but Jesus said, I've come to bring life. I've come to bring freedom into your life. And so we're going to have a look at a key scripture tonight that we're going to be preaching out of. And it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. And it says this, when it comes to breaking free in your life, it says, though we live in the world, this physical world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, we're, we've got a spiritual battle going on, so we don't employ the weapons of this world to fight a spiritual battle. We leave them behind, and we employ the spiritual weapons that have divine power that can demolish strongholds. 
that can completely demolish strongholds in your life. And then the next verse says this. Very interesting. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension, note that word, pretension, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, this gives us a little bit of insight about what the keys are for us to break free from strongholds. See, if we zoom into this word pretension, it's the same word where we get the word pretend from. And essentially, the, the thought is that, that what happens is the devil comes and he wants to set up a pretension, a lie, a pretending against the truth of God. So there's, for example, about you, there's the truth about who you are, who God sees you, who you made, he's made you to be. But then there's the lie about you. There's the pretending about you that the devil wants you to believe. There's a pretension. There's a pretending going on in your world, and God wants to set you free from that. And how do we do it? Well, we, by taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to the truth of God. Making them to be obedient to the truth of God. Not to be obedient and agree with the pretending or the lies about you, but you take them captive and you make them obedient to the truth of who God actually sees you to be. And then when we think about the word stronghold, right? Get this. Stronghold is from the word okurama in the Greek, and it literally means a prisoner locked by deception. So a prisoner locked by deception. Um, as Elizabeth Smart, there's a documentary in her life. She was abducted as a little girl in 2002, and she was taken by her, captivate, by her abductor to be his wife. How bad is that? And, and she wasn't bound by chains, but she was bound by a lie. She was a prisoner locked by deception. She was told if she escaped, everyone she loved would die. And so she was literally feet from freedom, but she was a prisoner locked by deception. And you and I can be prisoners that are locked by deception. In so many areas of our life, where we're, we're, we're actually able to break free, but the, the power is in the deception. And Beth Moore says this, a stronghold is anything that, is exalt, that exalts itself in our minds pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. So a stronghold is anything in our minds that pretends to be bigger or more powerful than our God, like your struggles that you're going through at the moment, the difficulties, the challenges, the things that are coming against you in your life, these strongholds, these things, these things around your neck, in your mind, you think, although you might not agree with it in your heart, there's, 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 there's a, a thought that, no, 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 this is more stronger than God. And you know what Jesus wants us to do is he wants to, us to break free and not be prisoners locked in by deception anymore. Because get this, the devil has power, but the devil has no authority in your life. The devil has power. You're the only one with the authority in your life. It's a God-given authority that God has given you. How you live is your choice. You have free will. Jesus gave it to you. But get this, when we believe the lie of the devil we empower the liar and we give him authority in our life. When we believe the liar or the liar, when we believe the liar, we give the liar authority into our life. We open the door. We become prisoners that are locked by deception in our life and he gains authority in our life. But Jesus wants us to defeat these strongholds. And so I'm going to give us three keys tonight of how you can break free from these strongholds in your life. Are you ready? Come on. First of all, and this is so important, it's so key. First one, 
First key is this, own your thought life. Everyone say, own your thought life. You've got to own it. You've got to own your thought. Make a decision. Do you own your car? Well, hopefully, unless you're renting it. If you own your car, whose responsibility is it? It's yours. For me, I own a car, and it was my responsibility to own it, to take care of it. If there's a stench in your car, it's not someone else's problem. It's your problem. One day I was driving around in my car, and I noticed there was a very thick, odorous stench coming from our car somewhere. And I was like, where is that? I had to rifle through the car, and finally at the back I found it was a used, nice and warm nappy. It was disgusting. So I got rid of that stench from the car. And that was my responsibility. I know, I know. Kids, you understand. You understand. And every parent said, yep. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> and so, get this. You cannot win your battle against the devil until you take back your thought life. You cannot win the battle against the devil unless you take control of what you're thinking about. You've got to own your thought life. It's your car. Your mind is way more valuable than your car. If you take care of your car and you keep it clean and washed, you've got to take care about what you think about. What you think about is so, so important. Maybe some of you, to take your mind back, right, need to go on a social media fast. Maybe you need to go on a news fast. Fear, 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 fear. About one out of every 50 stories aren't based on fear when it comes to news. Maybe you need to take your mind back by avoiding certain places or people possibly. But you need to do whatever it takes tonight to take it back. Take it back. I'm going to take back my thought life because how I'm living now has a lot to do with what I'm thinking about. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 6, it says this. It's really... It's very simple. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, don't worry, your sinful nature wants to win, right? A sinful nature that, that pulls us to do everything that is unhealthy for us and takes us away from God to do things that we're not created to do. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think, what do they think about? About sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. What are we thinking about in our minds? So letting your sinful nature control your mind, your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control or surrendering yourself to the power and the influence of the beautiful Spirit of God, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So bad thinking, stinking thinking leads to stinking living and stinking feeling and stinking everything. But good thinking leads to life and peace. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't think what everyone else thinks. Man, don't just be like sheep that follow or the other sheep down the cliff. What are, what are we thinking about? Tell me, tell me, Facebook, tell me what I should think about. Just like feed me. I'm just going to be an open, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my mind, just, whatever comes in, whatever's going to come in. It's like don't, don't copy the behavior or just blindly follow the behavior and the customs of this world that tells you to think in certain ways. But let God transform you into a new person, a free person by changing the way you think. By changing what we think about. Changing how we think. You know, are, are you at the moment in this season in your life ruminating on something? Maybe you're ruminating about that person, those people, the past, what happened back then. 
about your failure, about your hurt, and you're ruminating and your mind and you're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking and you're stuck because you're not able to escape this thinking in your head. But you know what? As you are transformed and you actually don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but you let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think according to truth, not the pretending, then guess what happens? And it says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you. Then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will, this word in the, in the Greek, in the original language it was written in, is the word thalema. And I love this word thalema, according to Strong's Dictionary, which tells you and explains to you what Greek words mean. It means God's desire for you. It means God's preferred outcome for your life. That can be accepted or rejected by man. So God, do you know the devil has a plan for your life? God has a plan for your life. He has a desire that is good for your life. He has a will and a desire that you can accept or reject depending on your thinking. What do you think about? And get this, and I want you to understand this tonight. I'll never change my life until I change the way I think. You will never change your life until you change the way you think. If you wait for that elusive feeling to come... It'll never come. Or it might happen by chance. But then how do you keep it if it came by chance? If a feeling came by chance, how do you know how how do I keep this feeling? But you know what? You don't change your life by waiting for that feeling somewhere to drift down from somewhere. Circumstance that maybe someone, maybe my dad, maybe everything's going to get, everything's perfect. Stop, pause there. Don't change anything. It's like everything's perfect for half a second, miraculously. It's like, man, how much of a control freak do you want to be? You would literally need to control the entire world for you to enjoy your life. But you know what? Rather than that option, I'll go to the easier option. If you want to change your life, change the way you think. You're not going to change your life until you change the way you think because our emotions respond to what we think about. Unhealthy thinking is unhealthy emotions. Healthy thinking means healthy emotions. Have you got unhealthy emotions? Get this. Out-of-control thinking leads to out-of-control emotions. Our emotions can be, can be out-of-control sometimes because our thinking is out of... We have no control over... Our, we need to like take back control about what we think about and not let all the opinions around us, whatever's going on, control the way... You need to, you need to go, before God, I, I don't care if everyone else's car's messy, I'm going to claim my own car. I'm going to take control of my own thinking and I'm going to let my thinking be good. Out of control thinking equals out of control emotions. But when you get control of your thinking, it's balanced emotions. And you can enjoy your emotions. They're to be enjoyed. They're a gift from God, but, but they need to come under the control of what we think about. So the first thing is own your thought life. And I'd say take down notes. Otherwise, you forget it as soon as you walk out of, out of this. If you're anything like me, you're going to do it. So there's permission to look at your phone, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> so the first thing is own your thought life. The second thing is identify the lie. Identify the lie. Because there is a lie that you are believing at the center of your bondage. There's a lie that you're believing that is at the center of your, of your bondage. There's a nappy in the car that was the center of that stench. <laughs> I'd, I'd t- identify where that comes from. 
John 8 verse 44 says this. Jesus said about the devil, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, and he's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he's the li- a liar. He's the father of lies. So when we expose the liar, the liar, we defeat the liar. Because the only access that the devil has in your life is the lies that you believe. So when we expose the liar, we defeat the liar. Um, for me, I remember there was a time in my life where I was I'm leading up to getting engaged, maybe marrying Jess, my wife now, of almost 12 years. And, um, and for me, I had a lot of fear. It consumed me. It gripped me. It had a hold of me like this. It was a stronghold of my life. I had great fear about marrying Jess. I remember I sobbed my guts up the night before my first attempt to propose to Jess. <laughs> she didn't say no. I know, how embarrassing is this? Um, she didn't say no the first time, but I was that filled with this emotion. My, out, my emotions were out of control because my thinking was out of control. Cause, cause, and, and at the source of my thinking was a lie that I believed or that I was fearful about that has somehow gotten into my heart because of the history of my family that I'm going to fail in my marriage. That I'm, that I'm going to fail my marriage. I'm not going to be a good husband. And I'm going to affect so many people around me, the people I love. And there was this fear that just gripped me. And it had a hold of me in my life. And that was the lie that kept me in bondage. And so not only do we need to, number two, identify the lie, but number three, we need to replace the lie with God's truth. You need to recognize the pretending. You need to recognize the lie. And we need to replace it with God's truth. You see, for me, my emotions were out of control because my thinking was out of control. And I got really, really down. And for me, I actually went and saw a doctor who diagnosed me with depression. And I had some medication um, in a season of my life where I, I needed it because essentially what it did is help to clear the fog just enough for me to begin to go, that's a lie. I need to replace it with truth. Because the truth is, there's even a God gifted, we've been gifted by God with our brains that are able to build neurological pathways in our mind that become concreted in and they're really helpful. But when you've got bad thinking concreted into your mind, that it's like, you need, you need, you need something strong to get in there to like get that out, that lie out. For me, I just needed a bit, I'm not saying that anyone, everyone should at all. That's not what I mean. But just for me, in that time, it was just a bit of a leg up. So I was able to recognize the lie and replace it with God's truth. And, and as I was able to dismantle the pretending and the lies that kept me into bondage, I was able to build up a wall of truth. And then the neurological pathways in my mind began to reinforce God's truth about me rather than the devil's pretending and lies about who I was. And so I remember actually going for a walk one night in the midst of this pain. I went for a walk one night in Albany, in Spencer Park at the back of our house. And I was walking along and I remember distinctly I remember distinctly that God said, God said to me, it's, it's a cliche scripture, but it's cliche because it's so true. He's like, what plans are you talking about? I don't know what plans you've got. I don't know what plans you've got, but but he said, my plans are bring your hope and a future. Not to wreck you, not to destroy you, but to give you a hope and a future. Because I had this idea, this weird idea, that I somehow needed to like cheat, you know, you know my wife and my, my marriage. Just this thought, this story in my mind that they'll all break up and we'll get to the bottom of the 
of the barrel and I get down there so low and that's when I become a real Christian. It's weird, this sort of like self-sabotaging thing going, this weird thinking. My thinking was out of control, so my emotions were out of control. But you know what? When I believed the truth about what God said about me, it began to set me free from the liar and I was able to easily get off those drugs. And they're helpful. They had their place. But it's like putting your arm in a cast. It just helps temporarily. It's not the answer. But it, it did. It helped me for a bit. But the th- real thing that set me free wasn't some chemicals in my brain. But it was the truth of Jesus that set me free from the liar. I was a prisoner locked by s- deception. Come on. Thank you, Lord. So good. And God can do the same in your life. He can absolutely do the same in your life. And for me, I went on, and obviously, I married Jess, and it's the best thing ever. Marriage is awesome. Jess is amazing, and our marriage is really strong. Thank you, Jesus. I've got a lot of hope for the future. When the lie was exposed and replaced with the truth, the lie completely lost its power. The enemy lost its power. And so the three things I want to encourage you with tonight is to own your thought life, is to identify the lie and replace it with the truth. And you know, there's some ways that you can actually identify. Can you pass my phone, please, Ash? Thank you. Jess just texts these. This is hot off the press. This is, this, is the message. this is the message that Jess actually texted me earlier. She said, I was like, how do you identify those strongholds? How do you know what they are? You might want to take down these notes as well. How do you know what these strongholds are in your life? Well, one, it steals your focus. A stronghold can steal your focus on what matters most. Number two, it causes you to feel controlled. If there's something in your life that you can't break free of, it's causing you to feel controlled, it can be a stronghold. It consumes your emotional energy. That's something that has a stronghold in your life. I was consumed. My emotional energy was depleted. Um, It distracts you from your purpose, God's purpose for your life. It can be another indicator to what a stronghold is. And it robs us from the abundant life that Jesus has for us as well. You know, Jesus wants you to be set free. But you know what I would like to do in just these few moments, and I've, I've just shared a short message tonight, because what I want to do is actually create some space for us to encounter God ourselves, to create some space in the service, because the truth is that Jesus is here, and I love what Jaden shared at the beginning. You know what, we can even hear these three points, and let me tell you, they're key to your freedom, but sometimes it's so simple to simply to come by God, God, I, I just have faith, that's all I can have at the moment three steps and this and that. God, I I just have faith. And you know, there's a story and there's an account in the Bible that is so, so powerful. There was one man in the Bible who was the most oppressed and demon-possessed person in the whole Bible that I can find. The most hopeless character in the whole Bible was set free with one moment with Jesus. And it's the man called the demoniac. And there's a man who lived on the other side of the lake when Jesus crossed the lake, when Jesus got off out of the boat, there was a man called the demoniac who threw himself at Jesus' feet. Now, this man lived naked. He ran around naked. He was crazy. He lived in the graves and in the tombs, howling and cutting himself. That was his, that was his Facebook bio. Um, this, was, this was who he was. This guy was lost. All his friends and relatives tried their best to help him. They tried to muzzle him and put him in chains, but he'd break out of the chains and everyone had lost hope for him. But then one day when Jesus rocked up onto the shore, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. And when he did that, the demonic force inside of him squealed out to Jesus. 
And they said, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Why are you interfering with our plan for this man's life? You know, the devil's got a plan for your life. And tonight, Jesus wants to interfere with the devil's plan for your life. I know that there's people here that have struggled with depression, wanting to harm themselves, cut themselves. There's a howling in you where you feel out of control. Your emotions are out of control. There's pain. There's addictions. There's things that you find that you can't break through, free from, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, whether it's television, whether it's whatever that, whatever that thing that robs you from the abundant life that Jesus has for you. And what I love was when Jesus interferes with your life, the result is freedom. You're like, stay away from me, Jesus. Don't interfere with my life. His only agenda is to bring you freedom. And when Jesus delivered this man from the demonic power, what was the result? This man was fully clothed, fully sane, sitting at Jesus' feet. He was free. And you know, the story says that Jesus went up to go. And this guy's like, nah, I found something good. I'm not leaving you. He's like, he did a winter. He's like, he's just like, he's hanging on the back of Jesus' neck. Jesus like, I'm trying to preach to the crowds. Um, And Jesus like, get off it. No, he's like, so this guy says, let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, don't come with me. He says, go and tell everyone else what I've done for you. Go and tell about them about the good things that God has done. And so what did he do? He's like, okay, all right. So he went to 10 cities and told them, and they were amazed at what God has done for his life. No one would have looked at this naked, crazy grave dweller and said that he's the next Billy Graham for the area around where those 10 towns are. No one. You know what? No one, especially not him. And, and tonight, you know what? You might not see yourself as something great, but God sees you. He sees the gold in you. He wants to set you free. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. And what he wants to do is interfere with anything that's interfering with God's plan for your life. And what does it all begin with? It all begins with surrender. It all begins with throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I didn't get it all. But Jesus, I just humble myself before you. And I say, Jesus, would you come? Would you come and set me free? And so what we're going to do in just a few moments, in a few moments, we're going to get all of us to stand. We're going to have a moment of worship. And we have actually a prayer team up here that we're going to invite to come up. And they would love to stand with you in prayer. You know, for me, myself, as I've told you, I've been fasting and praying. I believe that Jesus is here. He wants to do something powerful. For you, you might, you might minimize your little winter hanging off the back. You might go, oh, it's, not, it's only small. But it, it matters. It so matters to God. Sometimes it's the small things. Like for me, that small light I believed that had a big impact on my life. Sometimes you, you, you might be surprised. And so what I want to do is invite you during this worship to come to the front. And let, let, let this front represent your throwing yourself at the feet of Jesus. And what the team will do, they'll stand with you, including myself and a few others. We're going to stand with you. We're going to pray. We're going to believe for God to set you free from some things. not because of our power. It's not. doesn't matter who you get prayed for. It's not about the person praying, but who the pray, person's praying to. And the power of God, we believe, is going to be released tonight. And... I want to leave you with this. Jesus said, God said that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those that say, I don't need you, God. I'm all good. God's like, okay. But those that are humble themselves, God is so willing. He's, he's like, he's, he's so drawn to humility. And as we come to him humbly, he said, God, I need you. He pours out his power. So why don't we just all stand in this place together?
I just invite the prayer team to come at the front. Um, they're going to have some oil with them as well. These little bits of oil. And this, this oil, they're going to put a bit on your forehead. And, and all that is, it's to symbolize, symbolize the Holy Spirit. It's to symbolize the work of God in our life. And so they would love you to come at the front and get prayer. So why don't we right now, I'm just going to pray. And then as I pray, at the end of my prayer, we're going to begin to worship. And as we begin to worship, I want to invite every single person that wants to, that wants to break free in their life. And we're going to stay here for as long as it takes for every single person to get prayed for, every single person that wants to be prayed for tonight. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you, God. I thank you so much that you, Jesus, that you are here in this place, God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have come to set us free, God. And so I take authority in Jesus' name against every power, Lord God, against every lie in this place, Lord God. And I thank you in Jesus' name that you have come to bring liberty, that you've come to bring freedom, Lord God, to those that are captive, God. And I thank you for your anointing in this place, God. And I pray for every person that you'd expose the lie, that you give people grace, Lord God, and power to take back their thought lie, to expose the lie, Lord God, and give them a truth in your word to replace it so they can walk into freedom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.